Welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and we've got a very interesting show lined up today. We're going to be joined by Henry at Football in DK. He's been out there uh, in Denmark itself watching a few matches, so he's going to report back to us. Um, I'm going to be talking about elitisary matters with Jonathan and then, of course, we'll move on to some Alsvenskan stuff as well in addition to catching up to the European games. We're actually going to start, though, with uh, a, a, a small interview that Henry uh, had out there in Denmark with Norwegian wonder kid Andreas Sheldrup, who um, they've had a great start to the season there at FC Nordjylland. Henry was at the game uh, against V-Boy. He caught up with him afterwards, and this is what he had to say. Obviously, you're you're only 18. Uh, this is your third season at Nordjylland. Are you starting to feel that even, even though... It- even though you're young, you're you're one of the leaders out there on the pitch. Uh, I don't really know. It's a, it's a difficult question, but uh, I tried to go out on the pitch and yeah, show my uh, try and take action on the pitch and yeah, try to do my best and yeah, try to to lead the team, of course, to to victory every game because that's what I want and what the team wants is is to win every game. Fantastic, and yeah, you you personally having a fantastic season. That you know, teams won four and four. You've scored three goals. Uh, what's the secret to that? Did you do something over pre-season? Is it a tactical change? Uh, what, what's been behind that um, that uh, good fortune? No, I really think uh, the team just got to, to know each other much more now. We we know each other personally and you know, how to, how we play on the pitch. I think last season there was in the starting process of that, but now uh, yeah, I think every player know how each player plays and then it's easy for us to, to go on the pitch and yeah perform fantastic man and uh, also there's a new surface out on the pitch yeah. uh, how, how much do you feel that as a player yeah I feel it, it's better than the last one but I'm, I'm still getting a little bit used to it because the uh, I don't know they're the green small uh, yeah, yeah, yeah they're a little bit too much I think so <laughs> the ball is kind of floating on the pitch but yeah it's something uh, me and the boys had to get used to and do you find the pace on the, the artificial pitch is faster than on a, a grass pitch uh, it, it really depends on on which grass pitches? If it's a yeah, Camp Nou or something like that, then of course the ball will go faster. But yeah, the the ball of course will move a little bit faster in average on the artificial pitch. But uh, so it's good. But uh, a grass pitch, of course, is, is the best. And, and obviously, with four wins, like you, your ambitions for the season must be growing. Like as a team, how, what's your um, like, where do you want to get to this season? Uh, we don't really think about that much. We take uh, game for game uh, and focus on that and try and win every game. And yeah, just really focus on that, and then we'll see uh, after the season where we finish. But uh, hopefully, quite high. Fantastic. And uh, and today it looked like you were starting uh, in a more sort of attacking midfield role, and then moved to the left. You've played a number of positions since you've been here. Do, do you have a, a a favorite position? Do you see like your long term future uh, in one position or another? Yeah, I prefer this position today. Uh, play as a kind of offensive midfielder in the left half space. That's my my favorite position, of course. So. To be able to play that today, I feel like in the first half uh, I could do much more uh, than in a false nine position. And uh, do, do you have a, a player who plays that position who you've like modelled your game on in the past, or um, are you, you, you just sort of uh, blazing your own trail? Yeah, when I, I grew up as, uh, as a Liverpool fan, and then uh, watching Coutinho in that role really inspired me, and yeah, trying to take things from from him from back then and also now, and yeah, look up to a lot of players and yeah, watch a lot of football. Fantastic. And in terms of the national team, Norway obviously have a, a, a sort of golden generation at the moment. Um, do, do, are you looking forward to sort of being part of the, the national team set up in the future? Yeah, of course. That's what, that's what I hope for and that's what I work hard for every day to, to be able to play for the Norway uh, first team. And yeah, it's, it's so many great players right now coming up and I think uh, the upcoming years is going to be quite bright for, for Norway. 
Fantastic. Well, listen, man, it's been a real pleasure watching you play this season and in previous seasons and wish you the best of luck. Thank you very forward. much. Thank you. And he's joining me now, Henry, at Football in DK, back from his travels uh, to Denmark. Uh, how was it? How was it, mate? I bet you had a great time out there. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, when the I was sort of furiously hitting refresh over the summer on the, uh, the official website to sort of see the fixtures. And I, I was waiting to see if they fell kindly over a weekend where I could get two games in. And this looked like the one um, with, you know, the... the Copenhagen derby and with uh, Lingby or as as I'm constantly reminded the Danish pr- pronunciation is Lingbu I think I believe so uh, I'll, I'll try and do justice to it but um, with those two playing uh, over the same weekend that's quite an easy trip from Copenhagen it's only about 10, 10 minutes north so I, I picked that one and then as fortune would have it uh, the Nordland game got moved to the Saturday because of uh, the, the uh, because of Viborg's exploits in the Conference League. So it meant that I had uh, the potential for three games in three days. Nordland Viborg. We've just heard the interview there that he did with Andres Sheldrup at the end of the match. And for anyone who wants to hear a little bit more about him, then just check back at one of our previous episodes, a season preview where he was in the tent to watch. But I know you've been really impressed with with, with this guy, the the so called Norwegian wonder kid, um, and he just continues to go from strength to strength. He's had an amazing start to the season. What was it like seeing him in the flesh? Yeah, I mean, uh, on the pitch, he was he was all action and um, uh, r- really sort of. Um, I kind of hinted at it in one of the questions, but it does feel like he's becoming one of the leaders out on the pitch. You know, this is his third season in the Super League already. Um, he's got three goals and an, and an assist from his first four games. So he's really producing the goods and yeah, he just looks fantastic. And, um, you know, talking to him, I got a real sense that he's he's just got such a fantastic attitude, so professional, uh, seems seems so mature as a player and as a, as a person. And yeah, it was a real, real pleasure to, to, to sort of to, to meet him in person. Yeah, I must say he, he comes across as a really confident young man, uh, mature but uh, very thoughtful, and uh, he really you can see why uh, a lot of people have been indeed raving about him. So, just your general overall thoughts from the Norseland uh, game? What was it like? The atmosphere was it what you expected? So, Norseland are a, a, a very new club, uh, and I think get. Um, bit of a hard time from from uh, supporters of much older teams you know b- because they're still building um, a fan culture there um but i really enjoyed it um the stadium is it was my first time watching a a, a professional game on uh, artificial turf i've obviously watched plenty of uh, seven aside games uh, on uh, on astro but um no first time watching it there and you know they just laid a new surface down um so uh, it, it looks perfect it plays very very fast um, I wasn't quite prepared for the fact that they were going to be watering an artificial pitch. So I, I was standing right on the touchline about an hour before kickoff and this giant jet of water, you know, shot up like a Dalek from from underneath the turf and sprayed me. So I wasn't wasn't expecting that. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was, it, you know, they play a very attractive brand of football. Um, had a fantastic view from the the, the press section um, opposite the the dugout, so I really really enjoyed that game. And I think if I if I go back, I'd love to see them in action again because um, I, I really buy into to what they're doing. And 
I, I really, really like watching them play. Now, on the Friday night, you were at the uh, Michelin game, L- Lingbo, as we're going to call them now, Lingbo against uh, Michelin. And I saw you tweeting. In fact, no, it wasn't a tweet. I think you actually messaged me um, on the old WhatsApp chat. And uh, you said, this game's done. It's a question of how many, because at halftime, Michelin were 3-0 up. My old mate, sorry, Cab are getting on the score sheet, interestingly enough. Um, but then second half, Lingbo come back and 3 all draw. An absolutely wild game for you there. Yeah, it, it was actually um, 3-1 at halftime. And that, that goal just before the break was was one of those ones where you think, ah, oh, you know, is that just going to be enough to give the manager a, a sort of a hook at the halftime team talk to, to kind of to get the, get the team energised? And I mean, to, to start with, what, what a fantastic experience going to that stadium. It's such a community club. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, the sun was shining. It was Friday. There were lots of families there, lots of, you know, friends meeting up after work. The stadium was very full. Um, I spoke to someone from the club and he said they were expecting maybe three and a half thousand people. And in actual fact, over 5,000 showed up. So there was big anticipation. Um, but you could sense that you could sense the kind of collective size when after 15 minutes, it was 2-0. And Michelin just looked like they'd really hit the ground running. You know, Anders, um, uh, Anders Dreyer is just unplayable on his day. And some of his movement was was top draw. And when he smashed in the third goal, uh, it looked like, yeah, this is going to be a rout. And uh, I, I, think the, I think the crowd were almost re- resigned to that at that point. But then when that, when that first goal um, went in for, for Lingbu, uh, a lovely sort of flicked flicked header into the far corner. You did sense that if they can if they can start the second half strong, that they, they'd um, come back into it. And sure enough, they did. And I don't know if you've I don't know if you've seen the the equalizer, but the the goal to make it three three um, by uh, Sava Magnuson uh, was absolutely fantastic. It was a sort of I can't remember if it was a throw on or a cross, but the ball kind of um, sat up in the box, and it was one of those ones where you have to jump in the air to in order to hit it and most of the time that goes straight into Rosed uh or or at the at the Lingbu stadium it would probably go onto the training pitches um which are situated just behind the stadium but uh no it went right in the top corner and um th- th- they they had a chance to even win it at the end uh Kastrup hit the hit the bar sh- in fact had a shot that was tipped onto the bar so you know could have ended up with all three points and at the end you could really see you know Michelin looked at, looked uh, dejected by that now, I think this was your, was it your second time you've been to Denmark, Henry, or third? Uh, it, fourth time I've been to Denmark, but third time to watch football. Yeah. Now, what, what's your sort of general advice to anyone listening here who may be thinking about going out there to, to watch some football or even just to visit the country? Uh, you know, in general, Copenhagen is a very popular city to go to. What are your general thoughts of the country, the traveling around it? How easy is that? What's the food like? Drinks, good price or... You know, just in general, what are your thoughts in Denmark as a country? I mean, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. I love Copenhagen as a place. It's you know one of my favourite cities for sure. Um, one piece of advice I would I would give people is if they're going to stay in Copenhagen, try and find a hotel uh, near Vesterport or Noraport um, because both of those are very well connected. I think I could travel from uh, from those stations to both Farum, uh, where Nordjylland are, and uh, Lingbu. So. If if you're there, your your travel to the sort of outskirts of Copenhagen is going to be much easier. Uh, as as a uh, as a place to watch football, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, people talk about Denmark being an expensive country. I can assure you, the football isn't. I think uh, 
think tickets were in the region of sort of 10, 15 pounds for the, for the first two games. And then uh, we had argue, arguably sort of best seats in the house for the, for the Derby. And I think they were about 65 quid each. So, you know, uh, drop in the ocean compared to Premier League prices. And I, in general, everyone is just so uh, friendly and welcoming. And, and um, it, it, in my experience, uh, really sort of eager to help, uh, ha- you know, help me get to games, help me understand more about, about it and really just sort of welcoming and and uh, and interested in the fact that I've got an interest in uh, in Danish football. So I would say to everyone, it's, it's it feels like a, a really... Uh, welcoming fun place with a good football culture that is really rooted in in community that sounds absolutely great out there it really does and uh 10 or 15 pound uh for, for some of the tickets i mean that wouldn't even get you a hot dog at the emirates would it probably <laughs> <laughs> it well, exactly. but um this this limbo name by the way it just reminds me something out of an old program i used to watch from my kids called in the night garden it feels like a name <laughs> yes. that should be in something like one of them kids' programs. Lingbo. Hmm. I, I feel I feel that having gone there, I should make an effort to to pronounce it properly. But um, <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that that was cool. And um, uh, on uh, on my website uh, a few months ago, I did an interview with the the kit man there, uh, a guy called Lux, who's a bit of a a local legend. And after the game, uh, he invited me to the to the players' tunnel. Uh, we we had arranged to do a a shirt swap so an arsenal shirt for a, a lingbu shirt and uh yeah he took me down to the kit room and uh lots of the players were there and, and we did the shirt swap and it was a uh, yeah very nice uh very nice experience to, to sort of uh have a peek behind the curtain after a game now um on the subject of your website you were saying to me off air that you're going to be you're preparing at least one uh major blog article for this trip uh, in Denmark, tell us a bit about where you can find. Um, well, where can we find you on the socials? Where can we find this website? So uh, yeah, the website is footballindenmark.com, um, and the Twitter is at footballindk. Uh, th- there's so much happened this weekend. Um, most good, uh, s- some some bad involving uh, one of my friends. But I will <laughs> I'll give you chapter and verse on the website uh, because. It deserves a, a long read, so uh, I'm in the process of writing that, and uh, I'll be I'll be spamming your timelines as and when that's ready. Very good indeed. Now, uh, before we go, but I suppose we better mention the Copenhagen derby, aren't we? Uh, just that small matter of that fixture. You were there at Parken uh, for this big clash, a four-one win for FC FC Copenhagen against Brundby. Uh, Petbio with a hat trick. So. This fixture did it live up to your expectations? Because I know you had you were really excited about this one, um, with with everything that goes surrounding this derby. Um, what did you make of it? Yeah, so I, I, I was I, I was at sort of fever pitch level of excitement for this, and uh, the, the 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 interesting thing is both teams were going into it with quite ropey form, so it was a bit harder to predict than it might have might have been uh, before day one. Um, but both teams had only managed one win from their opening three. Uh, I guess one of the big stories going into it was that Mohamed Darami, um, uh, previously of this parish, uh, has returned to Copenhagen on loan for the season from Ajax, and there was uh, there was much excitement when it was uh, announced that he was going to be in the starting lineup. And I was uh, I was having some beers with some of the supporters outside that I know, and one of them said that they'd heard whispers that the choreography was going to be the 
the biggest for the past uh, six or seven years. So I was very excited for what we could see from the choreography. And of course, away fans were going to be there uh, again. So the previous two derbies, away fans were banned. So, uh, so there was the promise of noise from both ends of the stadium this time. Uh, sure enough, the um, the choreography was absolutely unbelievable. They they sort of um, released from uh, from section twelve, which is the sort of the big Copenhagen supporters stand behind the goal. Uh, this banner that was um, that featured uh, a train track with a, a moving train on it. So there was a sort of banner over a banner with a train featuring these characters called the Olsen Banden, the Olsen Gang, which is a sort of a very famous Danish cartoon. And at the at the end of the banner was this sort of um, dark derelict uh, area that was obviously uh uh meant to represent bromby's neighborhood and it had a big uh safe there w which contained the trophy so Br bromby had won the trophy uh the, or the, the the league the previous season and so this choreography was all about going to the bromby neighborhood uh and stealing back the trophy as fc copenhagen did last season winning the league so the, the train travels down the length of the choreography when it gets to the end you know big explosion another banner comes down and the three characters are, are there holding up the the trophy so it was a very elaborate bit of um uh, of uh of choreography and really cool to see it up close uh, and yeah, um, the Bromby fans were very noisy at, at the start as well and had their, their flags and, and flares. And so all of that promise of a kind of South American atmosphere uh, was certainly there from the start. And the parking stadium itself, it, it's it always, when I look at it on TV, it always seems like one of the real traditional stadiums worldwide, really, certainly within Europe. And uh, it's about nearly 50,000, I think, isn't it, in the 40,000 range? Uh, yeah, I think it's somewhere between 35 and 40. Um, th this was a sellout, and I think they announced it was 35 uh, this time. But yeah, it's a f fantastic stadium. I, I really love it. It's got um, lots of very unique features, like uh, it's got a retractable roof. Um, in one of the corners is uh, the restaurant that has just been named the number one restaurant in the world. Um, so it's got three-star Michelin restaurant sort of just really? tucked, tucked in there. So yeah, it's it, it's very strange, but I love it as a stadium because it's um, the, it, it's a sort of traditional four-sided stadium, but the corners are all filled in. So you don't lose any of the noise through the sides uh, and has a very unique um, uh stand where the away fans are that's sort of a sheer glass face above it so it's a uh, yeah it's, it's very unique yeah it, it's not your sort of bog standard modern stadium design is it there's uh, a lot of quirks to, to parking so i'm glad you had a great time out there henry and uh what we are going to do we're, we're, we're hoping to have you on the show next week for a more in-depth look at the league in general in denmark but i'm glad you had a great trip out there and um that you could uh, share your experiences with us Absolutely. Um, I don't know if it's worth just just uh, uh, talking very briefly about the game itself. Yes. Yes, of course. Four <laughs> one win. Four one win. Um, what was? I mean, Patrick there for Pep Beal. I know you're a big fan of him. What did you? What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, it was technically a perfect hat trick. So left foot, right foot header. And um, yeah, cometh the derby, cometh Pep Beal. You know, last season four goals in four derbies, and he duly obliged again with a with a hat trick. Um, and just uh, the, you know, n none of the goals were were necessarily worldies, but I think his movement and positioning and awareness is just so good that he gets into those positions where he can be dangerous. And you know, to score a hat trick in in a derby, I I, I don't think that's been done for for quite a while. Um, so yeah. 
that was that was fantastic and that kind of came off the back of a couple of uh, longer range goals by by Rasmus Falk and, and Christian Kappis, the the American midfielder for for, for Bromby. So um, yeah, re- really really exciting game, lots of goals, and uh, I mean, what more can you ask for for a uh, from a first derby? Yeah, absolutely. And um, is it a sort of fix you be looking to go back to again? Absolutely, yeah. And mm. um, I, I, uh, I, as will become apparent, I think we owe it to one of our friends to bring him back because he wasn't able to wasn't able to make it this time. So, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be back and uh, potentially in the spring. Well, thanks for your time as ever, Henry. Thanks for the great content, getting us a nice interview there with uh, Sheldrop, and also. There is uh, an interview uh, that Henry did with Philadelphia Union striker, ex-Golden Boot winner in the Super League, Mikel Ura. Um, and that is on the YouTube channel right now. It's going to be added to next week's main episode as well for those who are listening um, on Apple, things like that. But you can access it on the YouTube channel for those who are interested, early access there. So thanks again, Henry, and glad you had a good time up there. Cool. Cheers, Steve. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll speak to you on the next one. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan Verdugba here. Jonathan, how are you doing, my old friend? Hello and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, I'm good, Steve. Uh, Hello to everyone listening. Uh, How are you this week? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Looking forward to this sort of uh, heat wave in the UK now. Again, I do like a bit of sun. I don't get enough of it. Um... But yeah, I'm doing fine in general. Um, another good week for us in the uh, weekend preview show, which I've got to highlight. Four out of five winners. We're in some good form. Congrats on on your winners that you had on that. And um, yeah, more plenty of drama in in the Elite Serien and Alsvenskan to talk about this episode. European results have been generally quite favourable for several of the teams that we we discussed. So uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start off with. Elite Serian and uh, and kick on from there. Yep, more winners on the books this week. Uh, another great week on the weekend preview show. Somebody actually forgot to turn off the uh, <laughs> the uh, the paywall. So anyone who saw it for free, hope you enjoyed it and hope you got some value out of it yourself. You know, you, you got lucky this week uh, if you're not a subscriber because it leaked on YouTube. But um, fair play. I uh, hope you enjoyed it and it was a nice little preview. Uh, we're going to start this week in Norway, aren't we, Steve? And mm. In, on last week's show, we had a few things we talked about. But one of the things we talked about was Glimt and just the, their relentless form. I mean, <laughs> just just the seven goals from them this weekend. <laughs> it's, it's It's got a bit ridiculous, Jonathan. I mean, their last... I'm just going to look now. Their last four... Last five results in all competitions, right? And it starts off here with them. They beat Year 5-0. Then they beat Linfield 8-0. Just a 2-1 win away at Arlesund, and then a 5-0 win against Zalgiris in the Champions League, and now a 7-0 win against Odd in the Elite Serie. Now, I've lost count here of how many goals they've scored in those five games. It's got to be not bordering 20-plus, certainly. Close to 25, I think. I'm not sure. But um, incredible stuff from Budaglint. They seem really back to their best. 
They've got a, a, a great zest about them right now. And they're just harassing teams like they kind of were when they were at the best last season and in the 2020 campaign. So, yeah, they're in a great phase. And um, it looks like they've got one foot in that final Champions League qualifying round um, already and a fixture potentially against Dinamo Zagreb or Luda Geretz for a place in the Champions League group stage proper. I think that's 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 every possibility, surely. I mean, how were they in the in the seven in this seven nil mm. win? I mean, there's no need I even ask. I, mean, I guess they battered them. Very, very good. Um, this could have been ten. <laughs> Not going to lie, there was a lot of chances missed by uh, uh, Joe Mushiga, especially has been misfiring a bit recently for them. Um, but he he's going to score a, a glutton of goals in a match soon. But yeah, they're a brilliant. Pellegrino is obviously such a key player for them. He's he's quality flair and class just leads them in in these sort of games he's he's for me probably been the best player in the league this season to be honest um he's just an incredible talent for them but um vettelson also had a field day in this game he, he he was superb racked up a huge number of fantasy points for his owners but um yeah they're in a really good phase at the mo uh, right now buddha glimpse and odd i mean odd have lost players that it was not a good time for them to be facing Budaglimp, but they were blown completely out of the water. And yeah, like this this team is very, very, very dangerous again. Yeah, you said you're not even sure how many goals they've scored. I, I can tell you, uh, I can tell the listener, they've scored 27 goals in their last five games. That is just absolutely <laughs> outrageous. That's 5.4 goals per game average in the last five matches. Uh, I don't even know really know what to say. Uh, I saw I saw well, a tweet I from Buda, I saw a tweet from Buda Glimt at the end of um, the last match. Uh, it was live on the pitch with um, Ketil Knutsen, and he point he looked at the camera and he said, "This is Buda Glimt." I mean, it's like this is Sparta, isn't it? What five point four goals a game average, Steve? What, it's all just clicked <laughs> into gear. It, it really has, and um, something happened on that night at Linfield. Like I said, I think they were really irked about that. Oh, they they got beat by a side that just parked the bus and did all that. And I think they just really worked hard to try and change it. I think they've been pretty damn good since the early summer break, to be honest with you. They've won seven out of eight Elitaserian uh, games since that early summer break. So it's kind of been building up and bubbling up and their goal scoring has returned. It wasn't there at the start of the season, but it seems to be there now. Maybe it's just some of the players needed... Uh, a bit more time to get used to each other. They've brought in Lars Jürgen Salverson now up front, who scored on his debut. It was a Champions League. He, he didn't actually manage to get one against Odd somehow, um, but he will come. He looks like a really good focal point for them up front, and uh, he gives them another option, a, a different sort of dimension if they need it. Runar Espiord is scoring goals off the bench. They said that he seems to be the role for him now, this sort of super sub. And, um, you know, if he's scoring goals from it, why not? It looks like Ola Solbakken might stay with Budaglint now to the end of the season. That's what I've heard. He's injured right now, um, but when he comes back, he will add something else to them as well. So, at the moment, things are going well. They've, you know, they don't even have to really focus on the on the European second leg um, right now. But um, they're crushing it domestically. They're crushing it in Europe, and, and fair play. Yeah, I know the transfer window's open. Are they looking to do any more business? I mean, just tell us about their new signing. Well, they've lost Victor Boniface to 
a Belgian team, the the one that Rangers are playing in the Champions League, I forget what they're called, somewhat, uh, San someone, for nearly uh, two Saint million. Saint-Gilois, yes, Union Saint-Gilois. That's them, yeah, two million pounds. And uh, to be honest, there's a few people, um, I certainly in the betting community that I know, uh, who actually think Salverton's an upgrade on, on Boniface. Boniface missed too many chances, I think, for people. And... Um, Salverson, I think he's seen as more reliable. But yeah, the Arslergan Salverson missed the entire entirety of last season with a cruciate ligament injury at Godset. 2020 campaign, he was pretty damn strong up there. And he started this season quite well, displaced Fred Friday in the team. And it looked like he was going to go to Mulder, but Buda Glimp have hijacked the deal. And obviously, Salverson prefers going to Buda Glimp. And he looks, I can just tell. Already, just watching him on the field, he looks really happy and comfortable in his new surroundings. He looks like one of them signings that's going to hit the ground running straight away. You just sense it, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, he's going to play up front for them. He's got, he, you know, he's got good physique about him. He's got good technique, and he's not the slowest guy in the world either. And um, you know, apart from that injury last season, he's pretty damn durable. So. Yeah, I think he's a really good signing. They've also brought in someone called Nino uh, Zugel from Maribor, I do believe. Um, I don't know anything about him. I think he's a right winger primarily. So it just probably adds a bit more depth for them in that areas. I would like to see them add another defender. I'm not going to lie because Breda Moo seems a massive injury concern right now. Jaffet, Jaffet Seri has not really worked out. And I think they definitely need more depth in defence. Any position, actually, really centre-back especially, but um, I'd I, I, I be surprised if they neglect that area of the, uh, the the field before the end of the transfer window. But uh, there's going to be some money in the bank for Budaglimp, though, you know, after that European run last season and the sale of, of several players over the last two years. Yeah, Glimp looking, well, not sure what to say. He's strong. I think it's probably an understatement. I mean, there's that sort of, uh, anyone who saw the Michael Jordan documentary, there's that, uh, that uh, the meme, isn't there, that, you know, the result against Linfield, he took that personally and uh, they've gone on the run and scored yeah. 27 goals in the next five games. So fair play to Glimp. Let's see where they go. I mean, it'd be fantastic if they could get in the Champions League group stages, wouldn't it, Steve? Oh. Uh, really, that'd be really, really exciting. And I, th I think they, they actually deserve it on, on the balance of the last two or three years. You know, they, they took, you know, Milan to, to the end, to the edge at the San Siro during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, Smash Roma. You know, they, they really, I really feel like they deserve their place in the sun, to be honest, in the, in the group stages of the Champions League. So I really hope they can get through. I, I do as well. Uh, like I say, 5-0 against Algeris, first leg, that should be done and dusted. And then winner of that faces Luda Geritz or Dinamo Zagreb. Now, Zagreb do have history against a Norwegian opposition. I do believe they knocked out Rosenborg about four or five years ago. Um, it was whilst we were covering this, doing this podcast, actually. Maybe it was like three years ago. Um, and they're no mugs at all. You know, Zagreb would probably be favourites. It's a tough place to go. Just like Zagreb, Zagreb won 2 1 away in Bulgaria. Luda Geritz would be the easier team, but again, not an easy. But then again, it could have been worse. They could have got teams like FC Copenhagen or, um, was it Red Star Belgrade? I think was another one uh, of a possibility. So it could have been harder, I think. Of course, it could have been easier as well, but uh, good luck to them for sure. Yeah, let's move on to, mm. you can catch obviously that game. I mean, it's like you said, it's maybe a formality, but uh, as you say, the next leg could will be really fascinating. It's a tough game for them. Let's move on to other results this weekend because, I mean, top of the table, we still have Mulder. Now, they um, got a 
a winner at Christensen, which was packed full of drama, wasn't it? Mm. But I think you also want to talk about Lillestrøm because obviously Lillestrøm been top for so long, uh, but they're no longer top, are they? They're just sort of stuttering a little bit. Um, let's talk about them. How they've been getting on uh, after this weekend's round? They've dropped some points. Well, they played on the Thursday night against Royal Antwerp and lost 3-1 at home in the Conference League qualifying and obviously then had to play Tromso just three days later. And I had a feeling um, that there was going to be a shock result in this game. And it did not surprise me. I predicted the 1-1 draw exactly. Um, It just felt like a tough game. Tromso are quite good uh, away from home, uh, their tactical setup, And they got themselves a goal and they generally did a good job in holding on Lillestrom. Lillestrom really missed the presence of Akor Adams, the shoulder injury we talked about in the last show, possibly seven to eight weeks out for him. It's a massive blow because I just don't think Fred Johnson's as good. He doesn't Fred Johnson is a useful striker, but he doesn't quite have that X factor and flair that Akor Adams can can have. But credit to Lillestrom, they, they're clearly not the best right now, but they are grinding out results. You know, They beat Odd away late a couple of weeks ago. And in the 94th minute here, the goalkeeper of all people, Mads Christiansen, who's been the best keeper in Elite Serie in this season. If you look at his expected goals conceded stats, as opposed to how many he has let in, he's the best in the league. But he popped up at the other end here. He came up for a late free kick, brought it down on his chest and knocked it into the back of the net. And I couldn't believe it. He actually won me a, a personal bet by doing that. And I just added him to my Elite Serie fantasy team this week. So, very rarely does it ever uh, is it ever a fairy tale ending like that, but um, I certainly cheered that goal. I've got to say, Jonathan, and and so did they. It was a big, yeah. It feels like it could be a big point for them. It's it's quite a high standard at the top of the elite Assyrian table this year. Forty two points, Molder have after eighteen games. You know, you might need a, closer to seventy points to win the league this year. But um, Lillestrøm just got to do their absolute best to hang in there. I do fear for them. I think they might just they might drop down to fourth, you know, if Rosenborg continue this good form. But fair play, they 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 showed a lot of fight there to to come back late and um and get themselves the draw. The goal from Christiansen is actually clinical. I mean, he's yeah. taken that like prime chicharito. Beautiful, to be honest. What a finish! <laughs> it's not just like a bullet header like you normally get. I remember my most famous ever goalkeeping header was Mark Poom. Remember him for Derby. Uh, absolute bullet header. I think Ali, Ali Armada at Toulouse. You remember that one? <laughs> yeah. oh, brilliant. I mean, I was trying to compare them both. I love that one as well. This from Christensen is 94th minute. He, he's received the second ball, chested it down and just coolly brushed it home on his left foot. I mean, <laughs> that is some finish and a decent celebration to boot. Um, bit of a bit of a let off, really, wasn't it, for Lillestrøm, really? Definitely, because Tromso, I mean, if you look at the XGs in this game, it wasn't that high. I think uh, that was the highest XG moment they had in the game. It was given as 0.54 XG, I think, and, and rightly so. But before then, they hadn't really created enough. Tromso defended well in this game. They frustrated them. And Lillestrøm had this problem against Viking a few weeks ago as well. And I do worry about their goal-scoring potential without uh, Akor Adams. But for Tromso, that's twice now in a week they conceded in injury time. Uh, when they were 1-0 up. And that's the reason why they are down in that relegation playoff spot right now on 18 points, because they've drawn nine nine games. They they, they really needed uh, to win that game. Uh, but I mean, so they played well. I think draw was maybe fair, but they they, they got away with it, Lillestrøm there. It looked like it was going to be a defeat. Might be a really, really important point for them. They are only five points off mould and they've got a game in hand. They're three above Buda Glimpse still, same amount of games played. They're not out of this race yet at all. I feel personally that 
they won't win the league, but they want to finish as high as they can. They want to get a medal. And, you know, that point will really help them. Yeah. And, you know, the opening goal from uh, was from Kitalano. Uh, not sure which one. I mean, they might need to <laughs> rename them Rab- Rabbitalano because they're at it like rabbits, the Kitalano family. Um, there's so many. Um, but Eric, Eric, Kitalano. yeah, it was a really well taken goal. I mean, I want to ask you, Steve, about Christensen because you said he's the best goalkeeper in Elite Asterian. Yeah. Tell us, for listeners who don't know much about him, I mean, this is, you know, you don't often get keepers scoring, but why do you feel he's the best keeper in Elite Asterian? What's been so good about him this season? Just tell us a little bit about him for listeners who might not know him, you know, his age, his profile, his history. You know, Let, let's hear a bit more about his scoring mm. goalkeeper. Well, if you want to hear a bit more about him, then uh, go and subscribe to our 10 to watch on the Patreon channel because he's on there this season, along with another goalkeeper, Leopold uh, Valstedt. And those two, for me, have been the standout keepers. Andre Hansen's not had a bad year either, in fairness. But um, Christiansen is um, very, very good um, at well, he, he, every single match. You've almost got a factor and he's going to make a reflex save. Um, that's it's incredible, really. He's he's such a very solid and dependable um, custodian. I mean, so he, he's actually improved on the ball as well this year, as you can see with the goal. But he's only 21 years old, and um, this is a lad who, going into the start of last season, was displaced. He was the keeper for them in the Obosel again, the promoting promotion season. But they brought in someone else on loan. I think it was Cranink's. Um, to uh, to start their the season last year, and after three or four games, Cranix was dropped, and Christensen forced his way in and stayed in. Uh, he caught my eye last year, but he's been even better this year. He's definitely one of the main reasons why Lillestrøm have um, sort of overachieved this this term. And I think he's about last time I looked, he was like five goals clear of his expected goals conceded. Which there's not many keepers in Norway that are above that mark anyway, but he certainly is. And uh, I would say biggest strengths is uh, concentration, reflex saves, and positioning. And really, that's what you want in a goalkeeper, unless you're really after an amazing uh, sort of Edison-type, um, you know, on the ball. Yeah, six foot six, 21-year-old goalkeeper. He's gone viral this week. I mean, there's news articles all <laughs> over the, the world about him, from France to, to Italy, everywhere. There's talking about him and this goal. Um, definitely looks like one to watch. Decent shout. Who, out of him and Leopold Varsted, who's been linked with Villarreal, I believe, Maybe they listen to your ten to watch, but out of the two of them, who's who's got the bigger ceiling in your opinion? Um, ooh. God, I'm going to say Christiansen because I just think he's probably more mentally stable. I feel like Valstead is capable of. He's a, you know, the football manager rating for goalkeepers on eccentricity. Valstead is definitely higher on that. Um, he's got some incredible saves in him, Valstead. Like, you're like, wow, what what on earth are you doing there? But I also think he's got the odd maybe mistake in him and it's more mental concentration. For me, Christensen at his age, and there's not much difference in their ages, actually. I think Valstead might be one year older. Yeah, he is. Um, but for me, uh, mentally, he looks so mature and um, I really love that about Christensen. There you go. As always, you've heard it here first on the Nordic Football Podcast. Two outstanding goalkeepers both players steve called out in was it march april um so fair play to you and it sounds like you know both of them are doing pretty well let's move on um to salzburg mm, and because yeah they are struggling a bit on then uh, we did sort of talk about them a little bit in recent weeks 
Um, you do kind of, you've praised them at times this season, you've criticised them at times, uh, but they're now on a run of five straight defeats. So clearly I don't think you're going to have too much nice to say about them. What, what's going on here? And it's 10 defeats in their last 13 in all competitions. And that includes a, a cup final, uh, sorry, a cup defeat away to uh, Moss F Core, who of course are one of their big, bitter local, local rivals. So, this is a worry now. Um, I read some of Stefan Bilborn's comments after this game at Godset. They lost 3-1 against Trump's Godset. And he said, at halftime, I, I wanted to replace all 11 players. Now, when a manager says something like that, that that's very concerning, isn't it? And it, it almost feels like, I'm starting to wonder, is he, is he going to maybe lose control of the dressing room, room a bit? Because the players aren't stupid. I don't think there's, a, there's just no plan B here. Is it? Plan B here at Salzburg. And I, I feel like surely some of the guys in the dressing room, in the squad, are just will be thinking, why can't we just bunker down in a game and um, try and hold out a team and just grind out like a 1-0 win or even a good draw or something away from home because they're just far too easy to play against. They're too soft. They're, they're starting to make mistakes now. Um, but, you know, the one thing they have done well, they, 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 they're adding a couple of players into the squad. They've added uh, Victor Torp from FC Micheland and Simon Tibling from Randers. Tibling was once at Groningen in, in Holland and he was touted as a, a decent uh, potential, actually. I don't quite know what kind of went wrong there for Tibling. But uh, they've also brought in a lad called Gustav Morgensen from Brentford B team. Apparently he's recovering from a major injury, but he might be available soon. Uh, I know nothing about him at all, but he's a striker. Um, of course, they lost Jonathan Linseth. They've had a bad injury to Mikael Maigard recently. Uh, he's been a key man. Um, I'm a bit concerned about them. I've got to be honest, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Bilborn, that they need a result soon. And, and guess what? Their next fixture is against Buda Glimt. So, it's going to get worse. Yeah, good luck with that one. I mean, in terms of expected goals, they're fifth in the table. Um, but they're not fifth in the in the real table. They're uh, they're way down, aren't they? Uh, compared to where maybe expectations were, they're eleventh. Um, only one point above the relegation playoff as well. So they've got a little bit of looking over their shoulders to do. Thirty-one goals scored, thirty-one conceded, ten defeats from seventeen games. Um, I wonder, yeah, Tibling. I mean, just on him. I think he's Swedish, isn't he? He was um, he was actually part of our Just Football. Many years ago, one of our te- one of our sort of tends to watch. He was very highly rated as a. He youngster. was, wasn't he? He really. I believe was. he won the um, under twenty one Euros with Sweden. He was tied as a really big thing, and I remember that. Yeah, we we've definitely mentioned him on on just football in the past. Uh, I don't think his career's quite panned out. I remember also um, the Malmo player, of course, Oscar Levicki as well. You know, he was another one from that team uh, who was really highly rated at that point, and just never quite pushed on in his career. So. I think Tibbling could be a good signing in terms of the transfer window. So, you know, what's the situation there? How long is it open? Uh, you know, how long? How long have teams got to do business? Mm, the end of the month. I know it's slightly different in Sweden. They've got until the end of August to do business, and uh, you know, there's been a few ins and outs so far. I think there'll be a lot more of that, and I think Sarpsborg need to crack on a bit more. I actually, I mean, this, if this Morgensen is any good, then maybe he can solve their striker issues because Mullins is just not a viable option for 90 minutes in fact he's he can do an hour's an hour's work and then he has to come off because i just don't think he's fit enough um you know he's no spring chicken now they don't really have any other options for me as a genuine striker that's the problem upset he's always injured 
And uh, they brought back a lad called Abu Bakar Conte from a loan from Portugal. Um, he hardly played out there. He came on the um, against Godset. Now, he was touted as a decent talent a couple of years ago. Maybe he can do something. But I would like to see them actually get a proper proven quality striker who can give them 90 minutes. But uh, let's see what, what they do. But uh, the, the amount of goals they can see, Jonathan, is alarming. And it's not that they don't have the defenders. It's the system. So I, 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 they're starting to become a, a really, really bad situation for Sarpsborg now. And they're sliding down and down and down as the weeks go on. If you were to name one team that needs to do the most business, I mean, you know, ignoring the obvious in terms of Christensen with six points, but you know, who who are the maybe two or three teams that you think will be most need to be most active? Not not will be, but need to be. That is a very good question. I think um, I just feel like maybe Hamcam need to add a couple if they can. I mean, I mean, we know resources are not easy for for clubs that have just come up, but they've obviously lost Ericsson. Christian Eriksen to Molder. They've got 1.35 million for him. And I feel like they could, if they can, bring in like just two or three players um, to bolster the squad depth, maybe a bit of quality as well. So I, I think they need to, and I think they will crack on now that, you know, they, they're not stupid. They're going to replace a player like that. I think Arlison really need to look into the transfer window as well um, because they, they've got to replace Sigurd Horgan. Um, who the top scorer who left to Denmark to Arus, but they've also lost uh, Isaac Mata. They brought in John Kitalana from Odd, who was displaced as the left back there. He might not be a bad signing, in fairness, but I think Arlison need to need to do a bit of general business in certainly in the attacking area of the squad. So I would say at the moment, probably those two teams uh, need to crack on. And Tromso, I've said this for ages, need to get a striker in. It's, it's blindingly obvious. Um, they need to get a striker in. Um, and now I'm actually just looking at a couple of other teams. I'm thinking they need to get business. There's a lot of teams that need to get cracking, Jonathan, in this window, I tell you. So your main headline one's probably Arlison. Then I would Hamcam. say Arlison, Arlison, Hamcam, an odd, odd actually. And I do need to mention them just simply because they've lost players. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a thin squad right now. I mean, they've lost John, John Kitalano's gone. Joshua Kitalano's um, on his bike as well. He went to Sparta, Rotterdam. And um, Tobias Lauritsen also went to the same club. Uh, Cashy's left. Uh, what else? I'm just looking around here. Yeah, and, and the squad was pretty thin anyway. So they need. They brought in a lad called Thomas Rechtal from Stuttgart. And he had a shocking debut against Buda Glimt. Just wasn't up to scratch physically and not the right sort of game to throw someone into, I suppose. But odd really need to add players. And I guess they will. It's about finding the right sort of blend of player, isn't it? Odd need to add to get even. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to Europe. Uh, yeah. You, you know, there's been a lot of exciting games actually in Europe. I've quite enjoyed these preliminary mm. rounds. I know you're a big fan of them in general. I love them, yeah. Um, I've even quite enjoyed them this year. What's the latest? Well, Buda Glimp 5 is Argiris nil, and it was a bit of a, a slow start to this game, but then Glimp just turned it on and uh, and got a very comfortable win in the end. So we talked enough about Glimp, so I'll move on. Uh, Viking had a great result against Sligo Rovers, 5-1, first leg. That one's done, isn't it? Let's be honest, they had a great performance um, against the Irish team. Didn't underestimate them at all and just played a fantastic game. Really, they should be in the hat for the next round. And I 
I've forgotten who their potential opponents might be. I've looked at the draw and it's not bad. Molder had a 3-0 victory against Kishvada, this Hungarian outfit. Um, they, you'd imagine, would progress from there. It was a shame for Lillestrom. Um, they lost 3-1 at home to Royal Antwerp. And I looked at the goals for this game. Two were scored by the ex-Roma uh, guy, the Belgium... Um, I always got his pronunciation wrong. Nine Golan, is it? Um, yeah, Roger Nine Golan, yeah. Yeah, and what on earth is he doing at Royal Antwerp? I don't know, but he, he looked um, a bit too good, actually, um, in this game. So, I mean, I, I, you never know. They might turn it around in, in Belgium, but uh, I did say they were probably the underdogs in that game. Um, so it looks like they're going to be heading out, but, um, you know, it looks good. Good news for Viking, good news for Mulder, obviously Glint as well. So... If we can get through them three teams through to the next round, Mulder's draw is quite is, is isn't bad actually. To, they, I think Mulder should make the Conference League group stages from here, Jonathan. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good for the region, and I do believe Balik Wisher as well scored, didn't he, for Antwerp? And he was someone that I said on last week's show. Keep an eye out for him, Michel Balik Wisher. He's a good player, good young. You did talent. say you did mention that name, yeah. Did um, so here. There you go, but. Um, yeah, I mean, do you want to read out? I mean, if you've got the results in front of you, do you want to read out the Swedish Swedish ones as well while we're there? I know um, Yeah, yeah. I core um drew one all at home against I mean just get the results. Skendija, was it? That was it. Do you know what? They're no mugs. Every single year they sort of float around this sort of the latter rounds of qualifying and occasionally make a group stage. And um they, they never seem to get much respect. They're from uh, the Ma- Macedonia, aren't they? Um yeah, one all draw. Hassan um, Hassani opened the scoring after one minute for them, and John Gudetti equalised, and it stayed that way. But uh, so all to play for there in in that uh, match. Jorgarten had another good win, I do believe. Let me just check. Yeah, three one victory away to Sepsi St George or someone like that. Is that the Romanian outfit? Um, yeah, three one victory there for them, which was impressive. Malmo had a, a comfortable three nil win eventually in the Europa League qualifying against uh, Dunder that the Luxembourg side. There was a missed penalty for Mulder in that game, I do believe, but they still uh, got the job done fairly comfortably. So if they get through, uh, they should get through the second leg, get through that, they're guaranteed at least a Conference League berth in the group stage, which would be good for Mulder. Uh, sorry, not Malmo. Um, and I think that's it. There's no one else left, is there, from Sweden? Elfsborg got knocked out. Yeah, just in terms of Denmark, uh, Michelin as well lost 4-1 to Benfica, so mm. that, that looks like it's done. But Henry will maybe be one to speak more a little bit about that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's not looking too bad for our teams, mm. is it? I think it's there's a potential for a few of them getting into this. It's always if we can get one or two in the group stages, we're pretty, pretty happy with that, isn't it? Yeah, and I think someone, I think it was either Jorgarten or Viking might be on course to face Starbrook Arrest for a place in the Conference League groups, which I think you'd take that. I mean, they're no mugs either, Star Bucharest, but you'd rather that than someone like Villarreal, wouldn't you? Or West Ham, or I think there's a few teams like Colner in there. You, no chance you'd beat someone like that, but someone like Star Bucharest, maybe. So I looked, yeah, the draws are favourable. Mulder definitely have a favourable um, draw. I can't remember exactly who it was. They're facing someone, um, potentially a Maltese team, would you believe? There was a, a Maltese team who drew nil-nil away against someone. It's not um, Bruno's Magpies, is it? <laughs> no, no, but I'm trying to find the team it was. But um, yeah, there was there was a there was a shock nil nil draw. I'm going to find this now. It's going to do my nutting. That was it. Wolfsberger against Gazira United. Gazira United from Malta. 
and Wolfsburger only could draw nil nil from Austria. Now, I think I would imagine Mulder, Wolfsburger surely gets through over two legs, right? You never know, do you? But um, I mean, I think Mulder would fancy their chances against them or Gazira United. Well, fair play. And that's that's the wrap for that. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up part one in a minute as well mm. um, on this note. Um, any other business in Norway? Is there anything catching I you think on? that's it. Uh, I just want to say something to Rosenborg fans. I've not forgotten you and I will definitely be talking about Rosenborg probably in the next episode. Uh, they're in good form under Chetil Rakdal, going under the radar. So don't worry. I'm uh, I'm saving my praises for you. I fully expect Rosenborg to easily beat Sanderfjord this coming weekend and um, we can talk about a Rosenborg hopefully in, in, in full swing. But yeah, apart from that, that's it for part one, I think. Great stuff. That's it for part one. See you after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan for Dugbert. We're going to talk about the latest round in the house. Svenskan now. Let's go through the results for you. Norshopping 2, Degaforge 0, Varnamo 0, Jorgarten 0. Sirius 2, Malmo 1, a shock result there. Mialbi 1, Elfsborg 1, Kalmar with another 1-0 win, this time against Aikor. Hammerby 3, Sundsvall 0. Barberg nil, IFK Gothenburg four, and then Hacken five, Helsingborg nil. So how does that affect the the top of the table? Well, it was certainly a good week for uh, Hecken, who moved back to the summit. Hammerby gained ground as well, but um, not good for Ike or Malmo. We'll start with the, the Hecken result, actually, Jonathan. I saw you tweet something on after Sunday's result, saying they absolutely have to take advantage of this Monday night match against Helsingborg and they certainly did yeah it was after the results from um the most you know mm. after the sat- Sunday and Saturday and Sunday Sunday and Saturday and Sunday results um <laughs> yeah um, with the Monday evening game it was it was clear that you know all the results pretty much went Hacken's way this yeah. weekend I don't think they could have asked for a better um weekend except for maybe having big Sunds foul. Pretty much every other rival dropped points. Um your garden dropped points at Farnamo. So there's Malmo lost the serious. So this was really a game where from Hackers point of view, if they if they want to be taken seriously for the title, it was an absolute must win game really. Uh home to one of the poorest teams in the league, second bottom. Um and fair play to them. They didn't bottle under the pressure. I, I was concerned that they might not be able to deal with the pressure. I thought it might be a trap game for them in the sense of um, I'm not quite convinced if Hacken can handle the, the heat of, of being a title contender, a genuine title contender. Uh, never before won a league in their history. So, uh, but but fair enough, they answered it emphatically. 5 0 win, absolutely battered them. And first half was quite even, in fairness. Uh, it looks, you know, an even game. Um, the set piece goal from Johan Hammer uh, that put them 1 0 up. But second half, Steve, just Helsingborg, let's be fair, they, they fell apart, really. Um, and it was almost too easy. Udenas was electric. Um, he bagged a hat trick, and just really they just carved them open. There was one. One of the goals was reminiscent of sort of, you know, the the Arsenal team of like Wilshire. I remember that goal that Wilshire scored. I think was against Norwich. Um, that always everyone talks about. Yes, it was a bit like that in terms of the build-up play, just popping it around. They just popped it around Helsingborg after they got two or three nil up. 
Um, it was nice to see Blair Turgot as well on the score sheet as well. Um, he's settling in very nicely. So big win. Um, they're now the top scorers in the league. They've got 42 goals this season. Um, comfortably top scorers, in fact, uh, by, by quite a distance. Still concede quite a few, 25 conceded, but they're one point clear now at the top. Everyone's played 17. We're nearly heading into the home straight now, 13 games remaining, and they've sort of wrestled control of this title race. It's their, th- you know, they'd only won two in their previous four games. So this was a really important uh, time to get back to winning ways. They'd drawn and lost their previous two games before this. So, yeah, uh, great result for them. What's actually remarkable here is they've scored five goals and Alexander Yeremiev hasn't bagged a single one. I mean, I, I can't believe that in itself. But yeah, I did see some of this um, match uh, later on, on the highlights of it. And uh, the Helsingborg fans were not happy, were they, at their end? They were like, uh, obviously giving plenty of abuse back. Just seemed really angry, you know, what they can get like. But um, yeah, a, a good win for uh, for Hecken there. And like I say, you know, there's often this reliance on Uremiev, but they, they've done it without him here. Netting, netting, uh, you know, in the back of the net. So that must be almost a positive for them. Well, I think one thing that really uh, riled the Helsingborg fans, just moving on to them for, for a little bit, is the absence of Anthony van den Herk. Now, it's come out after the match, in fact, and the uh, the sort of caretaker managers have basically, well, not caretakers, but, the, you know, the... the the managers now at Helsingborg came out and said that essentially they um, that Van der Hurt refused to play and is trying to do a Mohamed J.A.'s, I guess, and get a transfer. Uh, apparently, they have the same agent. I don't know if that's true, but I saw that on Twitter this evening. Um, he refused, he's the captain, don't forget, of Helsingborg. And he came out and said, I no longer want to play for the club. Um, I want to leave, essentially. So Helsingborg fans on Twitter are extremely disappointed of that and probably as they as they entitled to be, you, you might say, um, didn't help their... They're obviously preparations for this game at all. I think there's been a statement out now saying from the managers that they will not, uh, he will not play for the club again, either way, um, because he's basically let the club down. We will talk about the relegation battle later, but I, I'm a little bit concerned about where this is going for Helsingborg. I feel like they're, they're losing momentum, and the way they really just threw in a towel in the second half was was alarming. Um, you know, they've they've made a few signings in in this summer window, um, reinforced a little bit, looking to kind of maybe get out of this hole that they're in, but they just don't look just don't look effective. And the head the head goes down so quickly when they concede. Um don't forget they've only scored 12 goals all season, Steve. Um and Vandenhoek is their, their main striker. So really a lot of uh turmoil behind the scenes, I think, a lot of anger there with with the Vandenhoek situation, I'm sure he might have to turn off his Instagram comments, that's for sure. Because I don't think he'll be getting many nice things said about him in the next 48 hours. Um, the transfer window ends, I think, on Thursday, so you know they don't have much time to move him on, but and and of course get a replacement. Um, but yeah, in terms of hacking, they 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 look very good, I have to say. I still think there's bigger tests for them to come. This this was a relatively straightforward match. Obviously, Yeremiev not scoring uh, much to the frustration of me and my fantasy team because he was my captain. But uh, there you go, there's the breaks. I suppose he's got enough goals this season. Um, but for hacking now, they've got actually quite a nice run. Steve, they've now got next Mialbi at home, Sirius away, Varnamo at home, Degafors at home, Kalmar away before they then play Hammerby in September. Um, then they got a really tough sort of run to end the season. Uh, they still got to play, obviously, AIK away, Malmo at home, EFK away. But um, if, they, if they sort of get, you know, 10 to 12, 15 point, points from the next 15, they could genuinely start to sort of run away with the title. So I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Some of those games are still challenging, but but 
it's opening up for them fairly in a fairly nice way. They've got a real opportunity here for, to make history. Yeah, they obviously are doing really well, and that's got them kind of an important win because the last two matches they dropped points. So, um, and also a clean sheet, a very rare clean sheet for Hecken. I think it might just be their second one of the season, or maybe even their first one. Incredibly, but um, I mean Helsingborg. Just before we do move on to a couple of other teams here, it does seem what is going on at that club because they're quite a big club. I always perceive them as a big club. I remember covering them the season they won the um, the league up there. And our, at our old company, Jonathan. But um, it feels like now they're almost like the Norwich of Sweden. Well, they're not even the Norwich, are they? they don't even win the the Super Red, and they <laughs> come up in the playoffs. So I don't know. I don't. For me, it's not acceptable for the, for a Helsingborg a club the size of them uh, that are constantly, whenever they come in the Alsvenskan these days, they're just struggling all the time. I can see why the fans are angry. But um, I mean, do you, is there a chance they can get the the, the playoff? Do you think? Well, the coach Alvaro Santos came out and said the player who wants it most and is the most hungry plays. And that was his reasoning for leaving out uh, Van den Herk. He played Rasmus Wiedersheim Paul instead. It angered Van den Herk and it's led to this outburst in this situation. I mean, if you could if you get could get yo-yos, Steve, in, in red and red and blue, I think they should start selling them in the club shop because they are becoming a bit of a yo-yo club at this point. And, yeah. mm. You know, we're going to talk about relegation battle a, a bit later, so I won't go too much into it, but they are looking in trouble. Um, sports manager Andreas Vankvist came out and said, you know, he hasn't spoken about anything um, with the with the manager in terms of who he's going to sell and what are they going to do about this situation. Um, he's been, you know, officially suspended, essentially. It's just not great preparations for this game, really. Um, and obviously they stripped him of the captain's armband. So, Van Hurt hasn't really lit up trees this season. He's only, you know, he's only got, uh, th- I think, three goals, two assists. When he's meant to be their main man, he was one of the main men for them last season that helped fire them back to the back to the league. I would have thought that he would have left when they got relegated because he was good enough. He, he was good enough in the season before. Um, it's almost like he, he's done the hard part, getting them back up again. And now he's, you know, spitting his dummy out a little bit. So um, strange situation because they really need someone to put the ball in the back of the net, which they don't have at this moment in time. Uh, and just defensively, they're, they're, they're so open. Steve. I mean, Thomas Ronya, they've brought in from, from uh, he's brought him back. To, they've brought him back. Obviously, uh, formerly EF Corman. Um, he's a little bit older now, but he's not really helped shore up that defence. That they, they, you know, they, they've lost uh, the fullback Rabi Tuka. They've brought in a couple of people, and they just didn't look up to the job in this game today. I thought, I thought in transition, they're just very open. Um, defensively, just not really organised. I, I think the, the, the midfield balance isn't really there. I mean, Gijovic is good on the ball, but doesn't get it enough. Um, there's, there's real, real problems, and. Uh, yeah, like you say, they are in danger of sort of becoming mm. that kind of West Bromwich Albion. Of, they, they, of yeah. they, they certainly are. So moving back towards the, the top of the table there, incredible to see Malmo as low as sixth in the standings after losing 2-1 against Sirius. IFK Gothenburg have now overtaken them um, onto 30 points. We'll just talk about Malmo in a minute, but IFK, um, a great win for them again on Monday as well. It was a heck, heck of a night for the two teams from uh, Gothenburg, wasn't it? 9-0 combined they won four nil away to to Varberg. I know you watched this game and I know you're really really impressed with IFK right now John yeah they've been they've been magnificent actually I don't know how many times on this show I've actually had a you know in the amount of years we've been doing it five years I don't think I've had many chances to actually praise EFK Yotobog no. to be honest mm. <laughs> I've tried my best but there's not many occasions where I've been able to sort of 
I, you know, I remember that I've, I remember I've had a few rants about them over the years, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but I've never actually had too much chance to praise them. So I'm going to go fully into it now. They, they, they've been magnet. They've been really impressive. Okay. Granted, you know, the most, most two recent games, most three recent games, they've played a da- disheveled nor shopping back to back. And then obviously Viber boys who, in my opinion, you know, you always have one team that you're just like, what What are they even doing in this league? And, and Varberg are in danger of becoming that team for me in terms of just, you know, a bit of nothingness kind of thing, like I've said about other teams in the past, maybe. Um, to their credit, don't I don't want to criticise Varberg because they are they are a small club, really massively punching above their weight. Um, but at the same time, they're in danger this season of just kind of being a little bit indifferent, if, that's, if that makes sense. So it wasn't the biggest of challenges for EFCOR, I don't think. The next game is Hammerby at home. and We'll learn a lot about, I think, both teams in that game. That's going to be a cracker. Uh, I'd love to be at that game, but um, uh, in the uh, in Bravada, in the sorry, in uh, at the uh, Gothenburg Stadium. But um, yeah, they they comfortably dispatched Warburg. I mentioned it when they beat Norshopping last week, uh, and I said it on the weekend preview show as well. I've I've, I've backed EF called back to back now uh, with success. I thought they would win this game fairly comfortably, and they did. Um, Goals from Marcus Burr got two, uh, Gustav Norlin and Kevin Jakob. Um, I think the key keys to this team, Steve, are is that a youngster, Hussein Carneal. I mentioned him on last week's show. I think this is an outstanding young talent we're witnessing in front of our eyes here. Um, I know in Sweden the players don't stick around long. I wonder how long they're going to be able to keep him at this club because he, to me, is looking sensational. I think he got two assists tonight. The first assist, Steve, is just... Phew, it's just nonchalant the way he dribbled past half the team and crossed it in for Berg to score. Um, you know, you're witnessing a teenager just tearing a team apart there. Um, I thought he was phenomenal once again. Um, and I know he's highly rated. I mentioned it last week in terms of his, you know, his, his background and, you know, tough times he must have had in his family. Uh, getting, getting to Sweden in the first place, um, Afghani background. And he, he's really looking really, really good. Uh, um, I also have to give a shout out to the goalkeeper. I thought Hahn again, Steve, he made an incredible save at nil-nil um, to to deny Varberg. And just in general, they're looking solid. That's three clean sheets in a row now. You know, uh, you know it's not quite Buda Glim, but they've got eight goals in their last three games, which isn't really an EFCOR uh, trait. They're not, they're not big scorers. And one thing that's definitely going to please their supporters is that they're above Malmo in the table. They're up to fifth. From a credible point of view, they're not out of this title race. They're only five points off the top. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen for them. They've scored nearly half as many goals as Hacken, um, but they've also conceded 10 fewer. Not going to happen for them in the title race, but they, they could probably now start realistically looking to maybe get in, in, a, in a podium place, maybe get in, in Europe, because um, if they can beat Hammerby next week in that game, they, they, might, have, they might start to really uh, think about how far they can go this season. At the end of the match, Mikis Stara, uh, he marched his team to the away fans. EF Koyotabo fans were travelling in their numbers. I think there were 6,000 at the game. Um, obviously, it's not too far from them. The fans were dancing in the stands. They were loving it. Stara gave a little speech, in the, sort of like Phil Brown, remember him? Uh, Hull City sort of gave a little speech in the, oh, yeah. the centre circle um, in front of the cameras and was ra- ramping them up. Uh, good times at EF Koyotabo at the moment. They're really they're feeling it. And uh, it's nice to see because... You know, they've had so many down times in the past few years. I don't think I've ever seen a Mikhail Stara team play as well as this. Like, and look as good as this as well. They're actually watchable, aren't they, Jonathan? That's the thing. 
Like this is good football to see right now, I must say. And um, they certainly got Barberg a good time. Barberg, whatever result they have one week, they never back it up with another. Like I don't think all season. I think once they've lost two games in a row once, but never on any other occasion have they had the same outcome two weeks in a row. So you might, whoever they got next week, you might as well bet on them blind to either draw or win. Simple as that, because that's the sort of side they are. But uh, great, great stuff for IFK Gothenburg and, and fair play. We, we very much look forward to the Hammerby game, don't we? And, you know, they've actually moved ahead Malmo in the table now after Malmo shocked defeat 2-1 to Sirius. And all the talk about from this game is that terrible miss at the end, isn't it? Um, but, uh, I mean, just when you think Malmo are going to get back on track a bit, sack the manager, get a reaction, they come and, and sort of lay this egg. Yeah, I mean, they laid an omelette, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, poor result, really. Uh, Malmo, I think you'd agree with that. Very poor result because <laughs> you know it's just you expect them to kick on at this stage of the season. Serious, they're not shocking, but you've got to go and win it. Serious. I looked at the XG for this game; it was like two point three against zero point seven. So you could say they're unlucky, un- unlucky there. But you've got to take your chances, haven't you? And, uh, you know, you can't be conceding two goals at this stage of a season against someone like Sirius. But, yeah, in terms of the um, Sirius Malmo, I mean, the, the thing with this game was that Mal- Malmo actually took the lead, uh, joining a Burgett. And uh, it was a nice uh, ball from uh, Zidane. And I really felt like from there they would just go on and dominate and get a comfortable win. I, I, I didn't see it coming, really, but... Matisse and Kuwaku. Kuwaku took his goal fantastically, by the way. It was really well taken. Um, Sirius have this in them. They tend, they can tend to give teams a bloody nose at times. And, you know, sometimes we write them off. I, in the weekend preview show, I thought this would be a straightforward win for Mum, I have to say. Um, but it wasn't to be. And and Sirius, in, in fairness, them were, were, were fairly good value for this winner, I thought, in the end. Um, as I say, that you know, Kuwaku w- w- was good. Matisse, and I thought, had a good game. It just kind of uh, started to, once Malmo scored the first goal, it was almost as if they were thought, well, we're going to win this easily. And they just started to let Sirius come onto them. And, and you can't you can't really do that against Sirius. They've got good ball-playing uh, midfielders and forwards. You know, they can pop it around a bit and they're not a team you want to let get. Once you let Sirius get in their rhythm, they, they can actually be quite a good team. Uh, their manager likes that kind of passing style as well. And I felt like Malmo just played into their hands. They weren't able to finish the job off. You know, they had a few chances to to get something. Berman Savic, one of the worst misses you will ever see. Go back and look on that. That was Twitter. an absolute shocker, wasn't it? I have not seen bad and miss of that for a long time. If you go on Twitter at Nordic Foot Pod, we tweet tweeted it, go through the timeline. Um, you know, horrendous misses. It's almost harder to 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 miss than score, to be honest. It's like literally three or four yards out. Could, open goal. Do you know what XG that was given on Y Scout? No idea. 0.62. And I'm like, it should have been like 0.92, shouldn't it? Yeah, that's ridiculous. That means it's, <laughs> that means there's less chance than the penalty. That's not like, that was one of the worst misses I can ever ever remember. It's like seriously. And this is the thing we expected goals because how, how can that be given less of a mm. chance of a goal than a penalty? He's literally right, right in front of an open very, goal. This is where expected goals is very subjective, isn't it? He's right in front of an open goal from four or five yards. Yeah, a penalty you've got a keeper to beat. How, that that's, that just doesn't even make sense. Um, <laughs> to be right. honest. It doesn't, does it? Whoever's come up with that, that's just... If you go and look at that chance and tell me that you've got more chance of scoring a penalty, then I think you need to retire from football, to be honest. Um, but yeah, listen, 
it was even in terms of possession, um, in terms of passes as well. It was it was fairly even as well. Three hundred fifty three passes completed by Sirius three seven five Malmo. Um, so you can kind of get a feel for the game. Mal- uh, Sirius had seven shots on target. Malmo only three. So it really sums it up. Malmo weren't great. I think with Georgsen in charge, I think they are now probably going to have to intensify their search for a permanent manager. Um, this probably wasn't a great advert for his, you know, if you want into the role permanently. I'm not sure he does. Obviously, he's their sporting director. He, you know, I'm sure he's got a lot going on himself. Um, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't the best of adverts for, for him to maybe put his, his case forward. And I just feel like Malmo in, a, Malmo in a worrying spot because I feel like they're letting this season just get away from them a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a poor result, but a good result, to be fair, for Sirius. We haven't spoken about them a huge amount this season. But it just showed you what they can do. They're ninth in the table. You know, they won't go down. Um, and, you know, fair play to them because we haven't really talked about them too much. But they are decent at stacking up points. They're above Elsborg, They're above North Shopping, above Varnamo, who we've praised a lot. So you also have to bear in mind that, you know, Sirius are a better team than sometimes we give them credit for. Yeah, I'm actually just looking at on Twitter now um, on an account called at uh, XG underscore data. And I follow this this guy, or it might be a girl, I don't know. And um, basically, I think it's another subjective XG thing. And he's got down, he always puts down the top player expected goals from each match. And Berman only has 0.5 XG combined in the whole game. So he hasn't given that chance anything more than 0.5 either. So I don't get this, um, to be honest with you, Jonathan. Mohamed uh, I also had apparently a 0.5 XG in this game combined. So, uh, do you know... Yeah, it... but Buyatore had a great chance, but his mm. chance was nowhere near as good as Berman's <laughs> save. I mean, it's that's ridiculous to me. 0.5? It's got to be more no, than that. It's like the, 0.9. Well, there, was a, there was a keeper in the goal, for one. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no <laughs> keeper in the goal for Berman's save. How can, how... It's ridiculous, to be honest. And that's my gripe with stats at the end of the day, in terms of you can talk about XG all you want, but it's so it's still very subjective in terms of how you decide what is a good chance, what isn't. Because there's no if you watch that Puyatore chance, there's no way you can tell me that's an equal chance to Berman save. You, mm. Even if you said to me he's off balance, he's he's obscured by a player next to him. It's an open goal from five yards, center mm. of the goal. <laughs> I know it's just it's insane. I, um, I don't get it, and you know, Mohamed Puyatore also had an expected assist. Uh, rating in this game of 0.5 as well. So he had a quite a good game statistically in that respect. I know you actually want to talk about him. He's on the he's on the agenda for this episode. So I don't know quite exactly what you want to say about Mohamed Briatore, but ma- maybe now's a good chance. Yeah, well, actually, I didn't really want to... I don't, I don't think he had a good game. Uh, he missed a great chance. Um, it wasn't as good as Perman <laughs> Savages by any means, but he, he didn't look as good. Uh, I thought I saw him get a bit of criticism from Malmo fans on Twitter. A few of them said that... Um, you know, he's not settling in as well as, for example, uh, Barisha at Hammerby. I think Malmö fans are a little bit impatient. I think, I think, I think there's a lot of frustration there at the season and how it's gone. And I feel like maybe they're being a little bit impatient with Buyatore. He's not played many games. Um, but yeah, no, the big, the big talking point this week, Steve. You know, your goalkeeper, your goal-scoring goalkeeper went viral. Mohamed um, Buyatore went viral. Do, do you know why? Why is that? The crazy world, the crazy adventures of Mohamed Bouyatore. If you've been a long-time listener in this podcast, you'll know I've spoken about a lot. Um, apparently, the rumour is that he missed his own wedding <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to attend Mamo's game against Dudelange um, and sent his brother instead. 
to uh, get married to his wife. <laughs> um, and he basically what? said, my brother will represent me at the wedding. And this is it's a funny story, but yeah, like, part of it's trivial, but part of it is also a little bit kind of don't believe everything you read on social media because, and sometimes this gripes me a little bit, Steve, you always get these little things that come out and go viral, isn't it? You get the, all these big accounts jump on it. And people who've probably never even heard of Booyah Tour in their life started to start to, I saw accounts, you know, big accounts talking about Booyah Tour this weekend um, with pictures of him saying he missed his wedding. And the pictures weren't even of, a, of, of his brother, though. I think they were of Booyah Tour. And, and I'm not sure how much research went into it, to be honest. So from, you know, it's just one of those things that they that people jump on, don't they? Oh, it's a quirky story. Let me, let me tweet it to get some likes and retweets, even though I don't know who the hell this player is or whatever. Um, so part of it was funny, but Booyah Tour actually came out and said, the pictures aren't of the wedding. Uh, he did tweet a picture of his brother and said, um, I couldn't attend the game because Malmo wanted me to play. So I, I, my brother represent, I said that my brother will be my representative at the wedding. Um, there'll be another date, I think, in mind for, for an official ceremony. But um, a lot of people tweeted pictures saying that Buyatori's brother essentially married his wife, uh, which <laughs> wasn't quite accurate. But um, funny nonetheless, uh, I guess that's dedication, missing your own wedding. To, to play against do the lunch. but um it just sums up Buyatore, a crazy crazy world of Mohamed Buyatore. how can someone represent you at your own wedding <laughs> i mean i i i think i probably know a few um few lads who wish they had sent their brother to get married to their current wife but um well the thing like is this... i mean uh, you may kiss the bride what, what happened there you know <laughs> me i'm I'm a little bit... You've kind of got me with that one, Jonathan. I mean, this is um, quite amusing, I must say. It's funny, but I think also pitfalls of social media. Don't don't believe anything you read from some big account who just suddenly <laughs> heard of Buyatui last week because, you know, Buyatui actually had to address it himself on his Twitter account because he was like, I've, I've, I've seen all the viral tweets and stuff. So I'm glad oh, he put dear, comments to bed, um, unlike his wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He um he certainly is a character, and there's some uh, wacky things associated with this man. I must say, um, we, we're not going to be um, we're not going to be bored out with him with him back in the league. But um, where where on earth are we going next? Um, I'll let you decide. Here we've got a new manager appointed, and there's been another sacking. So I'll let you decide here, Jonathan. Yeah, I was just you know, I was just thinking about I was about to Google Beatrice's uh, incidents over the years. I think wasn't there an incident with Sierra Leone when he said he was. There was a voodoo curse on him or something. Why he didn't play with Sierra Leone? Yes, um, I remember that. <laughs> he's yeah, he's one. He's one hell of a. He's one of my favourite characters. In fact, I'd say in in, uh, in in all of my time covering Swedish football for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, fair play to him. Um, but you know, uh, we actually missed the sacking. It's been a few weeks since we, we we got this one wrong. We've missed a sack. We've missed a sacking. There's been yeah. so many, hasn't there? That don't blame <laughs> us. Half of the Australians have been sacked this season. Yeah, I mean it's my, it's my fault. Uh, but um, you know, just <laughs> 2019 Rio Tour eight sustained an injury that he claimed was caused by black magic. <laughs> <laughs> he said a curse was put on me that I would get elephantitis. Um, that was back in 2019. Is that even a disease? the reason that he had a toe injury was black magic caused by a physiotherapist that put a curse on him? Um, <laughs> a bewitched Sierra Leonean woman, medicine woman. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty good story for you. Let's uh, let's let's move on. Uh, yeah, Gibson's file. I've left I've, a part of the company with their manager. Uh, Brian Brian Clarehouse actually taken charge of the last few games, so it um, d- didn't work out. Obviously, at the weekend they, they, they've had another poor result. They're rock bottom of the table, minus twenty seven, forty three goals conceded. They're really struggling, has to be said. Gibson's foul. This, you know, I think in the season preview, I said I, I thought they could maybe they'd have the tools to stay up, but it's just not happened for them uh, at all. Poor result again. Uh, you know, losing to Varberg and they followed that up. They lost to Helsingborg away. Uh, and now, obviously, Hammerby dispatched them fairly comfortably 3-0. Saidi Barisha got his first goal and then a Forrest Lasso own goal. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they're in a bit of dire straits. I think Klarhout is taking temporary charge. But um, again, it's, it's it's a sort of worrying uh, period for Sunsfar, four straight defeats. Um, and on the other news, North Shopping have a new manager. So, so fair play to North Shopping. Um, it's been announced that Glenn Riddersholm will take over. It's a shame we don't have Henry on at this moment in time because I could ask him about him. I believe he coached at Mitchelland in the past. Um, the, the assistant managers, Anes Mavrak and Vedran Rusicevic, will go back to their assistant managers' roles. They did get a winner against Degafors, um, but Riddersholm, he actually won the title with Mitchelland. Um, he's coached Aarhus and Sundariska. And let's see if he can, you know, turn their fortunes around because I did say last week Steve that they're sleepwalking mm-hmm. towards relegation they, um, they needed an appointment quick didn't they and get it sorted yeah it's good they've got it sorted I mean Riddersom actually was at one of the games and he came out and said I'm really impressed with the fans since I've been watching the games I value that highly uh, especially the, the away support at Gothenburg I'm a coach who wants to work together with the fans and I want to back us in tough and good times we will achieve our goals together and I'm very much looking forward to coaching nor should be that they are a kind of team that has that Danish link to be fair. They seem to be a kind of Icelandic Danish sort of representative. They have links everywhere, don't they? Swedish football. Yeah, they're shopping. very they're very very Nordic. Mm, they are, yeah. Nor shopping. Um but yeah, they 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 got a win against uh against Diggerfors and, and they can look look forward. Yeah, now we're gonna look downwards because this relegation battle uh now as Gift Sunsval, by the way, forty three goals conceded in 17 games. That's absurd. I mean, I can't believe that statistic. That is just not sustainable. But, I mean, one of these teams, Degaforge on 11 points, Helsingborg on 10, Gifsonsval also on 10 points. Maybe someone else might get, even get sucked into it, but one of them teams will make the playoff spot and will have a chance of survival. And, um, I mean, they all seem as bad as each other right now. But, um, I mean... It's obviously very poor down at the bottom of the Alsvenskan. Um, who, for you, of those three can finish 14th? Um, or have we got a toss of three-sided coin here? Who can finish 14th? Let me think about this. Uh, I think Gibson's either down. To be honest, I, I can't see them recovering. I'm worried, very worried about them. I think Helsingborg will go. So I think Degafors can yeah. get that 14th spot, yeah. Again. I think Degafors has actually done um, some decent business. I said to you off air that I, I, bat, I, I had, a, I was, I was tempted on the weekend show to predict Degafors' Asian handicap. Uh, I thought they would win this maximum by one goal. And if you actually look at the second goal, Steve, it's, it's ridiculous. It's the 93rd minute. Every single Degafors player forward, someone hoofs it forward, and it's literally he's clean through on goal the entire half of a pitch. So. 
if you had back that, you'd be kicking yourself because, you know, I couldn't believe <laughs> when I saw that goal. Yeah. I mean, that's just amateur. But Diggerfalls have shown a few signs in the past few weeks that maybe, you know, I think their transfer business has been relatively good. Um, in terms of the question, you're going to have to, who, you know, who are Helsingborg and Gibson's are going to sign in this last few days of the window? If they can do a little bit of business, for example, if Helsingborg can get a good striker and keep Djidjevic, maybe, you know, they're only one point off it. Maybe they could pick up some form. Um, Degafors, I think I like some of their players. I think Vukievic has, has come into good form in recent weeks uh, and one or two others. Can anyone else get sucked into it? I, I don't think Varnamo will get sucked into it. I think they're too good tactically. Uh, again, they've got a great point against Diff. You know, that I think they're just too good tactically to to go down. Um, Varba just they have a knack of picking up points here and there. They don't they don't really win many, but they do get wins on the board. They only scored 14 goals all season, but they've got five wins. So, you know, they have a knack of picking up points here and there. So really, I don't I think it is a I think it is a three horse race between those three teams. I, unless something drastic happens, I don't really see anyone else in involved. So I do think it is two yeah. from three that go down and one stays. Yeah, it really does look poor down there. I looked at the XG stats for the Degaforce game, by the way. And Norshipping 1.17 against 2.06 for Degaforce. And that kind of sums up Degaforce. They always seem to have a decent expected goals, but they just don't score enough goals. They miss a lot of chances to Degaforce, don't they? But I suppose if they could start taking them, then maybe, maybe the side that can move away from the bottom two, potentially. But they, they've got to have someone who can put the, the ball in the back of the uh, of the net. Yeah, and it's not Nikola Jurgic this season. So, um, you know, they're... They've been like I say that for me in the first ten games they were the worst team in the league by by miles. If they if that had continued they'd have they'd have definitely gone down. I mean they lost their first six in a row, so it's not I'm not even saying anything bold here. Um, you know they lost one of those games six nil, so it's not as if I'm even saying it. there's been a lot of thrashings this season as well, isn't there? There's been a lot of um, big results in that sense, five yeah. and sixes. Uh, they did start to then pick up a few results here and there. Got a point against AIK, um, obviously. The key for them is they're picking up points against their rivals. They, they, they beat Gibson fell away. They beat Helsingborg at home. Um, and that's going to be key for them because they've got Varberg next. They've got Gibson fell at home in a few weeks. And I think that's going to be where it's going to be decided ultimately. I mean, you'd say with Degafors, maybe they might just have enough to get out of it. Beating Kalmar was a big, big result as well. But they leak so many goals, it's hard to sort of comfortably say that they'll they'll be fine. So, yeah, it's a tough one. I think all three teams have severe weaknesses. None of them score enough goals, as we just said there. None of them are even averaging one goal a game. So that that's never a good sign, is it? In fact, there's a lot of low-scoring low teams in the league this season. You know, there's more mm-hmm. five teams in the league have scored less than one goal a game, which is really poor. Very poor. Um, and, and now they're conceding almost double the, the amount they scored as well. So, you know, it's doubly poor. But, yeah, I think, I think it would be two from those three flip a coin because the thing is there's only one point in it it can it can easily change so quickly if, if a team picks up a bit of form you know you, who knows I, i'm almost starting to think the wrong team went up um because Halmstad, they're absolutely uh, i think they're t- nearly 10 points clear in the super and i know i did criticize them a bit last year for their boring play but they seem to be too good for the super and this season several other sides still in the mixer all the way down to seventh uh, AFC Eskelson. I just want to give a shout out to Mr. Ashley Coffey, a friend of the podcast, who I do know has been uh, recently back on the field after some big injury problems. So we wish you well, Ashley, and get 
get scoring some goals, pal. So, um, yeah, super. He played this evening, I think. I think he played this evening. Um, yeah, they uh, lost, I think, um, unfortunately, yeah. to Yonchaping. But it, it looks a close battle, Super M, for Hamstad look, look clear. But second through to seventh could be anyone. So interesting, interesting times. Yeah, definitely. And I think Hamstad, I mean, I quite like them last season. I know you were, you were well against them, but I like them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One other last maybe point in terms of the Hammerby game, it was interesting to see Mahan Diaz's back. Uh, he got booed by the fans when he came on. He's apologised. He's been welcomed back into the squad. Um, and that was quite an interesting scene, watching him getting booed as he warmed up. It was almost like a Game of Thrones, you know, public flogging type thing, you know. Um, the way they kind of paraded him in front of the fans to get booed. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's it's going to be an exciting end of the season, I think. I think there's a lot to be played for at both ends of the table. So we've got a lot to look forward to. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this particular episode, Jonathan, unless you've got anything else to add. Nope. Done and dusted and in the bag then. So that is all from us here. Please do remember to follow us on the socials if you're not already, at at Nordic Footpod, uh, at Meatman Soccer and at JF Football, and Henry as well, at Football in DK. Um what else? Thanks very much for any of you uh, supporting us on Patreon. I hope you're enjoying the content on there. Hope everyone's enjoying these uh, regular episodes at the minute. We seem to have a good little rhythm and routine going. But as always, Jonathan, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to our next meeting together. See you soon for the weekend preview, I suppose. Uh, see if we can keep up our form. We are nearly, we must be nearly over 60% by now uh, on patreon.com slash Podcast. So I think we have actually tipped 60% with four out of five winners. Um, But if we haven't, then let's see if we can get over it this weekend. Uh, So, yeah, see you soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, Hope you enjoyed the interviews as well with Henry. And we'll be back uh, very soon.